So I've got three openers. Do you want to start with water pollution, water protecting us from pollution, or panspermia? The first one I want to hear first. Let's start with the worst one that it sounds like first. The worst one. Well, following up on the episode we did not that long ago on water, and really how we all learned that tires are absolutely awful for the environment, not long after that episode came out, there was an article in The Guardian about it. And first off, I learned that British people spell tires with a Y, which kind of blows my mind. What? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. What is this world even? What is that? I know. Okay, I mean, whatever to them. That doesn't even But not sense. only that, they also talked about tires within this, and they said that car tires produce vastly more particles of pollution than exhaust as of now. Really? Yeah. So toxic particles from tire wear are almost 2,000 times worse than from exhaust as weights of cars increase. What can we even do? Like invent a hover car? Well, and this is a weird thing. It's both cars are getting bigger and they're getting heavier. But I'll talk about that once we're done with this article. It was posted on The Guardian on June 3rd of 2022. And the article is written by Damien Carrington. So almost 2,000 times more particle pollution is produced by tire wear than is pumped out of the exhaust of modern cars tested show. The tire particles pollute air, water, and soil and contain a wide range of toxic organic compounds, including known carcinogens, the analysts say, suggesting tire pollution could rapidly become a major issue for regulators. Tests have also revealed that tires produce more than 1 trillion ultrafine particles for each kilometer driven, meaning particles smaller than 23 nanometers. These are also emitted from the exhaust and are of special concern to health as their size means they can enter organs via the bloodstream. What? Particles below 23 nanometers are hard to measure and are not currently regulated in either the EU or the US. I was not ready for that term. Yeah, and here's a quote from a Nick Molden at Emissions Analytics. Tires are rapidly eclipsing the tailpipe as a major source of emissions for vehicles. Tailpipes are now so clean for pollutants that if you were starting out fresh, you wouldn't even bother regulating them. We came to a bewildering amount of material being released into the environment. 300,000 tons of rubber in the UK and US just from cars and vans every year. There are currently no regulations on the wear rate of tires and little regulation on the chemicals they contain. Mission Analytics has now determined the chemical present in 250 types of tires, which are usually made from synthetic rubber derived from crude oil. There are hundreds and hundreds of chemicals, many of which are carcinogenic. The wear rate of different tire brands varied substantially and the toxic chemical content varied even more. He said showing low cost changes were feasible to cut the environmental impact. You could do a lot by eliminating the most toxic tires, he said. It's not about stopping people from driving or having to invent completely different new tires. If you could eliminate the worst half and maybe bring them in line with the best in class, you can make a massive difference. But at the moment, there's no regulatory tool and there's no surveillance. And used tires produced 36 milligrams of particles for each kilometer, 1,850 times higher than the 0.02 milligrams per kilometer average from exhaust very aggressive, though legal, driving style sent particle emissions soaring to 5,760 milligrams per kilometer. That's so crazy. like 800 times higher. Oh. And this is the big thing here. 
the average weight of all cars has been increasing, but there has been particular debate over whether battery electric vehicles, which are heavier than conventional cars and can have greater wheel torque, mm. may lead to more tire particles being produced. Molden said it would depend on driving style, with gentle EV drivers producing fewer particles than fossil fuel cars driven badly. <laughs> Though on average, he expected slightly higher tire particles from electric vehicles. Interesting take on that, because... Supposedly an electric car is supposed to be better for the environment, but if it's all coming from the tires. But they're not measuring um, CO2 going into the atmosphere as a uh, as a pollutant per se. Yeah. Like these I mean, are other pollutions to the environment. Without that, though, as well on the side of tires as well, that batteries are supposed to be worse for the environment than just a regular car or the electric cars. Yeah. Lithiums aren't great. Oh. So, yeah. A few things against it right there. But yeah, that's not even something we really talked about in that episode was the fact that cars are getting heavier and larger, which means there is more wear coming off the tires. And yeah. they're a very lowly regulated industry. Wow. I had no idea that tires, even from, I mean, I know you're not supposed to stop, obviously, from our episode, but that's crazy. I had no idea. But yeah, with that, the world's a sadder place. So let's talk about something funner. Cue music. Let's go to the episode. From the unexplained to the mundane, why don't you come join us on our journey to the fringe? Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, where we metaphorically take you to see normal's freak babies. You know the ones paying alimony to them under the table. They live in the next state over and its spouse doesn't know about them. We are your purveyors of normalcy filth, Taylor and Chelsea. Speaking of freak babies, talking about one David Wilcock. <laughs> that was a beautiful tie-in. He is a freak baby. If you're not tuned in to the UFO community or the alternative science community, you may not know this man's name. However, there is a definite reason and a linearness to the episodes that we've been doing the last little while, setting up to get to this point. This man actually, a weird cosmological sort of way, is the entire reason this podcast came about. <laughs> It is a weird cosmological way. Yeah, we just wanted to shit on people we did not like in the UFO community. He's one of the top on the list. <laughs> he is top on the list. And it <laughs> is that hatred for him that uh, really brought us about to where we are now. So you have this man to think. If he did bring one good thing into the universe, it is this podcast episode. Yeah, so in the end, just go thank him for that. He born the podcast. Thank you for that. And now it's going to take a turn, I think. <laughs> I mean, maybe we're gonna not. See. Maybe not. Like it. We'll see. We're gonna distinctly break this up into a two-part episode. There is the portion that I will be doing today. This is David Wilcock, his life, what we know about him, up to a very particular point in both the world and his life that you all soon understand why we chose this point to separate the before and afters. And then Chelsea will be taking over to see what. Uh, becomes of this monstrosity known as the David Wilcock timeline. Freak baby. And from that very specific time point as well. Now, I do need to take one really quick break because I am out of alcohol and I have to listen to David Wilcock talk for several minutes in this episode and you cannot do that without alcohol. Oh no. Let's take a fiver. I'll be right back, but we need alcohol for this part. Okay, I'm loaded. Well, not okay. yet. I just have alcohol. <laughs> 
Okay, I am back. We are good to barking? go. I did hear it bark a little bit in your intro. Maybe I should go close the door. Go yell at it. Hey, <laughs> you fucker. Okay, you hold on a second. <laughs> okay, bad news. I can't close the door. So I'll just mute myself. You should have just yelled at the dog. <laughs> hey, shut the fuck up. Without further ado, we are going to be talking about the mushroom-cutted individual known as David Wilcock. Now, he has a haircut like that anymore. Well, he rose to fame in the 90s, so it makes a he lot of sense. He just keeps going with it, though. It works for him. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about his rise to fame, kind of how it all came about. Then we're going to move to his self-written biography. We're going to talk about a few interviews he's done, and we're going to talk about some of his science in this episode. So Chelsea, I have a very loose idea of what this episode's going to look like. I'm okay with that. If you have any questions or anything you want to talk about while we're going through it, feel free. I might just stop you if I say it comes up in a bit. <laughs> okay, okay. But we can make this a little more open of an episode. Okay, I agree with that. That's totally where my notes are taking me as well. And when you said that, it reminded me of another Dumb and Dumber quote when the police officer is like, you pumpkin pie haircutted freak. <laughs> oh, what a show. I know. A quote for everything in life, I tell you. That okay. was my input there. Thank you for that input. And like that input, we're going to talk about a lot of words that David Wilcock has written. He started kind of in the alternative science psychic world in about 1986 to 1999. He really started his own website in 1999. It was called ascension2000.com. You can't find this website anymore. It's not up. You can get to it through the Wayback Machine, but it no longer exists. If you go to ascension2000.com, it is an entirely different website now. It seems to have intentionally had much of its information tried to be removed from the internet. And it makes sense. We're going to get into it a bit. Oh, I love it. Okay. And this is where I had no idea. This guy, just so we need to get this out of the way right now, because it comes up a ton. He thinks he's the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. Simple as that. It's going to come up a lot. And I always found it so confusing because he is not known as like a seer or a prophet, really. He's more known, like his most famous thing that he's ever done was he was on Ancient Aliens for a couple seasons. Yeah, that's probably where most people would know him from, just like the lay person. You see that guy on Ancient Aliens, you're like, okay, why does he keep talking about how he's Edgar Casey? Well, if you go back to the very start of his internet era, he was writing down his dreams as if they were their premonitions of the future. Um, and he did them as in like question answer style, like Edgar Casey did. What? Like how the hypnotist would ask him questions? Yes, he would but answer? it was just, it was him asking questions to someone in his dream who was answering them for him. I mean, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, so he does these, there's thousands of them on this webpage basically of him talking about his dreams and what they were prophesizing. And boy, is there a reason he doesn't want a lot of these up there. Like the last one of 1999 that has a note right at the top. Some people may not ever be able to access the internet again after the Y2K rollover date. <laughs> As we do have readers in many foreign countries all over the world and there are wide discrepancies in levels of compliance, both within the US and Canada area and abroad. Therefore, we hope that you receive this in time to put it at the end of 
the book if you have been printing these readings as they go along. For those of you who still have power and telephone access to the net, we will continue to post readings, providing that the telephone services everything here in Virginia Beach and servers in Los Angeles, California, are functioning properly. This contingency assures us that no one reading these articles is left with an unfinished body of work. Casey never got to do this. So in one sense, we have quite the privilege here. How old was he at this point, do we know? He was born in 73, so he's about 26. So he's his mid-20s. Interesting. Interesting that he wants to do that. 26. I also want to make a point just asking here, as far as him thinking he's Edgar Casey. I mean, he very well may think he's Edgar Casey is one thing, but the feeling that I get from him, and maybe I should hold my comments, is that he's more just using this to gain the footing that he's wanting. At the beginning, what he was trying to do too is be this prophetic individual. We're gonna talk about it a bit more. And the greatest one that he could think of was Edgar Casey, and he's living in Virginia Beach at the time. So he really tries to glob on to that image. Yeah, and I don't know if you're gonna talk about this, so just tell me to shut up if you do. Oh boy, we are. I- <laughs> right, Go ahead. I watched, you know, just to refresh myself a little bit. There's so much, he put like, the guy is full of himself and he just keeps talking as you may already know or are gonna find out. If not, I just told you. His setup and everything is that he is reincarnated Edgar Casey. So in the interview I watch with him, his like nice little setup, he takes a picture of Edgar Casey and puts his portrait that looks like- He's trying to impersonate that photo in that photo. He is. And all of the pictures that he has are deliberately put in the same tone, in the same shadows. And then he goes through all the people he knows and specifically takes who looks most like this person in Edgar Casey's life. So he goes through yeah. a slideshow of people and then he puts his friends up next to him being like, they're all the reincarnation of Edgar Casey's friends. Like we are all the same soul group. And I just find it kind of comedic that he went through all the trouble of finding these photos and then finding photos of his friends to replicate like what they look like in the yeah. photos that he chose to put up there. Like prove his point, like yes, it's me. <laughs> and when you see him making this comparison that he's Edgar Casey reincarnate, which first off, doesn't matter if you look the same in reincarnation. That is not how reincarnation no. works, at least as far as I understand it. Like it's maybe not. I'm off because reincarnation is a weird thing that may or may not actually exist. There's no science to back it up. But as far as I can tell, you can be reincarnated according to Buddhism as a bug. So is that bug gonna look like Andrew Casey? Probably not. <laughs> But he's always using the same photo too. It's just oh, yeah. one photo that it's he compares he took it to. The one photo that he like looks. I I'll say like yeah okay it kind of looks like him. But there's a million other photos of Edgar Casey and David Wilcock in which they look nothing the same. But he that's one of his things where he just really nails it to be like this is just another thing. And people who are already taken in by it are like that is him. That look at that picture. That is Edgar Casey. Yeah. And to finish that rant off as well, he doesn't look like him in that photo. <laughs> like if no. you compare features, the features aren't the same at all. No, they're not. 
but he has the colors the same and everything yeah. the same yeah. so that it just kind of if you quickly look at it you're like okay yeah i've never seen edgar casey before and this guy has a weird haircut and a big forehead and he's also in virginia beach so it must be him yeah that is why he does the edgar casey thing though because he's trying to market himself early on as kind of a prophet the seer and he tried to take that persona of edgar casey early on Boy, does it not last, though. Other things that he quoted or has quotes of that he predicts will happen. This I found. It's a great video on YouTube by a YouTuber by the name of Truth Be Told. All one word. B is the letter B. Ooh, I like it. Posted by David Wilcock on his website on February 23rd, 1999. I don't know whether this will be the big one or just a major quake. What I do know, what we are heading into is truly beyond description. Our bodies will be transformed into light. And as I explained, in the book, there is a full scientific explanation for how, when, and why this will happen. And just in case you have no idea what he's talking about when he talks about that date, it's on the website Ascension 2000. So he's got an idea of when this is all going to happen. Oh, it's 2000. Yeah, at first. At first, yes. Okay, I was just going to say we don't have access to this website anymore because we don't have the Wayback Machine. We do have the Wayback Machine. Oh, we do? Yes. I, I've gone on the website. It's weird. Okay. And he much like all 90s websites were. I was just gonna say, did it look like, did it have like flashing, like? Didn't have anything flashing. It was just very nondescript in a lot of spots. Now, <laughs> next quote from April 21st, 99. Lastly, there is again a repeated reference to the upcoming Ascension event here on the planet. We need to realize that this is not speculation, but fact. I have written a comprehensive book called Convergence from a largely scientific standpoint that gives definitive proof that this ascension event is really going to happen. And in Convergence chapter one of the book he wrote, why do we somehow know that we are indeed about to experience something so fantastic as to be the single greatest moment of all time? We will demonstrate that the 1999 to 2000 ascension vortex is the result of all dimensions in the solar system operating through large, approximately 25,000 year cycles. So that's his start. Also, when you're on the Ascension webpage, I picked a random date to kind of go in. I think it was around the year 2001. No, sorry, it was after the year 2005. He's got some interesting stuff on there. Top of the page right here, Mayan Ascension Cruise with David Wilcock, November 5th to 12th, 2005. $999. Yes, call now for the best spots and make 2012 come alive today by going to the exact sites where it all happened. The calendar, the pyramids, the mystery, the grid vortexes. <laughs> Be there to experience it with David firsthand. Oh my In 2005. <laughs> but that's not all. We oh. set sail in Tampa, Florida on day one, then have another complete day at sea with full-on lectures and Q&As with David. <laughs> By the way, emphasis added because he puts an exclamation mark after David a lot. So at this point, is he popular? I don't think he is. I don't think he has much of a following at this point. This is after his first appearances on Coast to Coast. So I think he has started to get the popularity okay. and he is milking it hard. Oh yeah, he's, he's hosting a cruise. That's the next big step. Day three, we hit Georgetown on the magnificent tropical Grand Cayman Island. Why? No fucking idea. <laughs> 2000. You know, because of the great Mayan ruins. This is the great Mayan ruins. Nope, that's it. That's it. Okay. Grand Cayman Island. 
Day four, we visit the ruins, jungles, and beaches at Costa Maya, Mexico. Okay, kind of tied in. Even though, who fucking knows what ruins? (laughs) Day five, see the rainforest, gorgeous coastline, and stunning ruins of Belize City. Day six, snorkel in the fantastic coastal reefs of Cozumel. (laughs) And explore the relics. I, I don't know. I wonder if this cruise sold out. Probably not. I mean, it could have, but like, who was there with him on his portion of the cruise? And then day seven, we sail the seas with David as we cap off a stunning week Aww. of discovery. Return home, tanned, rested, and ready for <laughs> 2012. <laughs> on the eighth day. Ask anyone from our family who just journeyed to Egypt with us. This will change your life. So they just did an Egypt trip too. Okay, this is what year again? 2005. Okay, ready to take on 2012. And ready for 2012. And then he he has the travel agent's name and phone number right after that. So I'm gonna skip that. The next thing after that is just as great. Beyond the Da Vinci Code on April 23rd, this weekend. Click on the flyer to blow up the details for our first of the two events. And this is my favorite part of the entire thing. Right next to the New Living Expo in San Francisco. He is too cheap to pay to attend or um, host a booth at the New Living Expo. He's hosting beside it. Okay, so he didn't have that big of a following at this point. See, I don't know. I don't know if he's trying to grift off it or if he got asked and he's like, nah, and then he did something right next to it. Or if he asked if he could and they said no. But I feel like I love that. I want to pay the money. (laughs) Yeah. I do love that. Right next to the new living expo in San Francisco. (laughs) Just going off of it, maybe he wasn't invited and he wanted to seem like he was. Yeah. (laughs) Like he was a part of it. That's the only reason you would do that. Make you seem like you're a part of it. You also won't want to miss our fully catered day-long event with David in Larkspur, California on Saturday, April 30th. We begin where the other talks left off and launch into even grander mysteries and truths, including direct experiential practices of higher consciousness and readings from never-before-revealed secret mystery school texts left to David by a dying old woman who needed to keep the sacred fire burning. What, the, what fucking old woman? Woman? Who fucking knows. <laughs> Is this but I just woman? had to include that one because he didn't pay for the booth. I was just going to say, is this another event he hosted right next to? I have to ask, was there any mention of the band on the cruise? No, but we're going to get to that. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad we're going to get to it, but I'm like, why wasn't there mention of the band? I don't get that. I was actually worried because like we talked about when we were doing the research here, it really seems like a lot of David Wilcox stuff has been scrubbed from the internet. Like he keeps a very specific persona online. And I was worried because I could not find many refer- any references to his band, which I always thought was, we listened to a lot of this his stuff growing up in our early 20s uh, at just out of high school. And you just take it for what it is. But the greatest, most hilarious part was every interview he did referenced his band. 
Yeah, which is the most hilarious thing. If you'll go back yeah. and listen to our Eggy Casey And sorry, Eggie everybody, episode. if you haven't done it when we were talking about the Edgar Casey appearance, pause now or just continue listening to us and go on Google and look up what David Wilcock looks like. He does not look like a rock star in any sense of the yeah, word. To be fair, we've never actually listened to the band. We don't know that he is a rock star. <laughs> he might just play the clarinet. <laughs> And here is the shittiest thing. I found the name of the album that he put out, like, when he was big. It's not on Spotify. When not on Spotify. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, I'm in the 2000 really to 2010. This. this is shocking information to me right now, actually, because all he did was talk about his band at one point. That's what I wanted to bring you guys from the Ascension 2000 website. It does get shut down right around the time that we're talking about, about 2005. And David starts a new website called Divine Cosmos. Man, he, there's some gems on Divine Cosmos that we're going to get to because that is where he wrote his biography. It is still up to this day. His bio has not been updated since 2006. That doesn't surprise me. But around this time too, this is where David Wilcock gets introduced into, I don't know what you would call it, but kind of that mainstream UFO community um, professional or expert. Because in 2004, he has his first appearance on Coast to Coast AM. For those of you that don't know what Coast to Coast AM is, it's a three hour AM radio show that is hosted between, I believe it's 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Pacific, or like 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's hosted by George Norrie. It's, I think it's widely considered to kind of be, once you get on that show, you kind of get into the pipeline of the obscure and the UFO community and the all Pretty much, it's, it's probably one of the most mainstream and it's the entry point to where there. you kind of start to make it big. And I put big in quotation marks because these guys don't make a ton of money. No, they don't. And I know the first place we probably heard of David Wilcock was, I think my first interview I watched with him was Project Camelot. Forgot about those guys. Yeah, they do a lot of interviews with whistleblowers and stuff like that. They're a lot less credential worried Linda Moulton Howe type thing. A lot less. Yeah. Way less. Like none at all probably. In 2004 he finally gets his break on Coast to Coast AM and I don't know how this relationship kind of started but he is on the episode with Richard C. Hoagland. And Richard C. Hoagland kind of introduces him to this community. If you don't know who Richard C. Hoagland is, don't worry about it. We might do an episode on him in the future. He kind of falls into this group as well. He's very famous within the community for kind of being the first person to say Sedonia on Mars has secret Mars bases that NASA's operating off of. And there's a secret space program, which is kind of, I think, where he got his move into the secret space program, aliens, things from there. I believe he does have a tie-in and then his work changes once he gets in with Richard Hoagland from what I read. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that happened on May 15th, 2004. He's on Coast to Coast. Apparently it goes great because on June 23rd, 2004, he has his second Coast to Coast episode. And this one is called Casey's Reincarnation. And the entire episode is just about how David Wilcock is a reincarnation of Edgar Casey. The fact that him and another guy wrote a book, how he is Edgar Casey. I'm surprised. Did we ever look into, did you look into whether or not he's accepted as the reincarnation of Edgar Casey through the 
the Institute of Iglesias? I don't think he is, no. I don't think he is either. But I didn't look for sure. We can confirm that for the next episode. Okay, let's do that. I'm going to make a note right now. Unfortunately, coast to coast, Chelsea got rid of her subscription a few years ago because George Nori went crazy. I did. I was an avid listener to Coast to Coast AM and I got rid of it about two and a half years ago. I was like, I'm not paying for this BS anymore. And you can't find the actual episodes anymore from a particular period. So... Unfortunately, I thought I had lost a bunch of these episodes and wouldn't be able to hear them. But David Wilcock has so much narcissism and an ego that needs to be fed that he put the transcript up on his website. <laughs> of course he did. This is a bit of the story that happens. Actually, my favorite part of the entire thing, I just need to find it really quick. If you haven't gotten it right now, David Wilcock, I don't know if I should be putting this here, like Taylor just said, has a huge ego about himself. Yeah, that's our opinion based on the evidence that we've been reading, I think, and our whole life experience of hearing him talk. Yeah, we've listened. We've I've listened to quite a bit of David Wilcock. Then it got old because I was like, I yeah. can't hear this guy talk about himself anymore. Yeah. Um, so the other guy, just so we're on the same page, the other guy who wrote the story, uh, our Edgar Casey book with David Wilcock, his name is Wynn. So there's three people. There's George Nori, there's Wynn, and there's David Wilcock in this conversation. And I absolutely love this quote. This is George Nori, and that's going to go into Wynn. Now, Wynn, at the time, did David believe that he might be the reincarnated Edgar Casey? Had that come up yet? Wynn, well... The implication on his website was that he believed that. I don't remember if he said it outright. It was such an outrageous thing to say, and David was just so concerned about people thinking that he was trying to draw attention to himself or being self-aggrandizing. So he presented the case and talked about David Wilcock, Edgar Casey connection. And I believe the way he presented it was that there was a soul resonance between the two, some kind of vocabulary like that. Like, I just love, well, he never said it. He just has it all over his website. <laughs> and that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. But no, so humble to not say it. What a guy. <laughs> okay, now this one's a bit longer of a quote from the story. Or the interview, sorry. George, okay, let's jump over to Wynn for a second. So Wynn, as you were deciding with David to put this book together, the reincarnation of Edgar Casey with a question mark because nobody can prove it 100%. That came up earlier in the interview. <laughs> I just had to add that. And I noticed you both have a question mark at the Oh, no, sorry, it's right here. I'm going to get into it. And I notice you both have a question mark at the end of it. Why are you not just making it a definitive statement? Why the question mark? When? Well, you know, there's no way to absolutely prove anything. People don't even believe that reincarnation exists. So it was my thought that putting the question mark there allows a person to look at the case. Basically, I presented the case in the book. I was the one who was investigating it and I revealed how it came to me, how David had to be Casey. So I let the readers follow my own track of unfoldment to see if it made sense to them rather than saying it was just so. It's an enormous thing to say. Wow. I just love that he put the question mark there. It's kind of like a, uh, I've got no liability. Yeah, like... No, I, I didn't say it. I yeah. inflected question at the end. I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm actually asking David Wilcox, Please. who is implying that he's Edgar Casey. 
One of the things I wanted to bring up that David didn't cover there was that the way this actually unfolded for David was quite striking in that it actually fulfilled a prophecy of Edgar Cayce's. George here. And what was that? Win. Well, to go back, David was living in New Paltz, New York. He had graduated college and he was into metaphysics and had been recording his dreams since 1992. <laughs> and he added things in the middle of this transcript to make it make sense to him. I don't understand what this means. Recording his dreams, bracket, since 1992, comma, in 1996. You fucking did that. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Yeah. End bracket. He had a conversation with Joe Mason, and then he asked Joe Mason's website right there, uh, who was telling him about how he would hear his dream voice. Uh, again, in brackets. When he woke up in the morning. In brackets. That night. Brackets. As with all other nights over the last four years. Close bracket. David. Co bracket. And put. Close bracket. A pad by his bed to record his dreams. And when night's over that last dreams. Sorry. <laughs> Why did he do that? Yeah. It's an interview. And when he woke up, that. bracket, something different was happening. Close bracket. There were, bracket, now. Sentences that were communicated to him. Bracket, just like the dream voice that Mason had described the night before. Bracket. And then the ass has to go here. David Nelser's talking. Yeah, I heard Joe Mason's voice when I woke up in the morning. Just like when we were talking on the phone the night before. They were mostly nonsense sentences. But what I did was to just rigorously document them exactly as I was hearing them. Mason had taught me to wake up remain motionless and if sorry again bracket mason had taught me to wake up remain motionless <laughs> and if while wow, you can still remember new details from your dream you document all the garbage noise of the subconscious mind dot 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 what most people think of as imagination or daydreaming that becomes the data which you don't read and understand until you have finished the whole process and have returned to normal conscious he doesn't close that bracket. <laughs> he edited the fucking interview. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, sorry. The, you know what? I'm just gonna skip. He does close the bracket in Eventually. four paragraphs. In four <laughs> paragraphs. So we're just gonna skip to George. Okay. So sorry. There were five paragraphs here of what David's response was and this that is what he actually after said after the interview. <laughs> this is what he said in the interview. Yeah, okay. I heard Joe Mason's voice when I woke up in the morning, just like we were talking on the phone the night before. They were mostly nonsense sentences. But what I did was to just rigorously document them exactly as I was hearing them. That's it. And then his five paragraphs he had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. And even he, he edits George. <laughs> Which I, I understand we've all wanted to do it, but come on. Oh, I can't even. This is hilarious. <laughs> George, do you remember writing? Bracket. These sentences. Bracket. <laughs> down during the night. Because apparently somebody would be confused if they just heard George at this point say, do you remember writing, the, oh, <laughs> writing that God. down during the night? Oh, I can't. I can't. This is hilarious. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> David responding to that. Yeah, 
I, I just had no idea what the content was. After I had read through the second time, I noticed that I'd said, you should visit the pyramids of Chichen Itza. You can go there with your mind. As soon as I read that, bracket line bracket, the phone started ringing and I picked it up and it was this guy I met at a UFO conference saying, hey, do you want to go to a seminar on astral projection? Uh, George, bracket, chuckles, closes brackets. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> I just, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> David, it was like being in the Matrix when your computer starts talking to you, you know? George, well, yeah, and we all know what it's like to be in that. This is for you. <laughs> That's a George Norrie response of yeah, ever. Yeah, that is. He's not this listening. Is yeah. <laughs> this is for you, Wynn. As the investigator here, what proof did David bring forth for you to start saying, I think he may be Edgar Casey reincarnate? Question mark. <laughs> well, George, it wasn't really that much. He put it on his yeah. website. <laughs> yep, when? Well, to continue the track I had started on, David was writing down these sentence fragments. He would keep a record of them, and many of them are on his website. And he did put it in here, ascension2000.com. Right now, anyone can go look. <laughs> and there's a section where he has his readings, and he has documented all of the best he could do. I hope someone has it printed somewhere. It's, again, it's on the way back machine. You can go look at it all. It is rambling nonsense. Yeah, it sounds like it really just, even by this on Divine Cosmos, it's a, this is rambling nonsense. But what credentials does Wynn have to write this? Or is he just like a hired person to help write his book? <laughs> like a ghostwriter. Wynn wrote for a metaphysics magazine, he said. And he has no actual background in writing books. No background, like what? No, like he, he said for a metaphysics magazine. he's more comfortable jamming and writing small snippets. But he wrote a book with David. And why Wilcox. are we taking him as a person to say whether or not he agrees if he's Edgar Casey? I mean, yeah. he said himself he just put a question mark, so we could leave it up to us. Okay. Well, let's keep going because this is the story that proves it's Edgar Casey. <laughs> Okay, so we gotta okay. get to that. I'm ready. And remember, this is directly for Win. It was George Nori said, Win, answer this question. Okay. So Win starts going. Win has another part. George says something, it's of no consequence, which I guess I could have edited George out if that's my conditions on why I'm gonna say George's lines. But then we wouldn't get the chuckle ha ha ha. So yeah, you know, take what you get. That was an important part of interview i think so win continues so after a period of time he would get a sentence that would prophesy something in his future that was quite specific and it would happen now the prophecy was always a bit cryptic where you couldn't understand it before it happened but after it happened it became obvious that wherever these sentences were coming from, they knew something that was going to happen for David. One of the ones that is in the book was, quotation, you're going to get a three by 11 sheet paper on Friday at 8.30. And that was on Wednesday, I believe, that he got that. David now has to chime in. I actually have that original recording queued up and ready to play if you guys want to hear it. George, yeah, how long is that? David, it's about 11 seconds. Okay, yeah, yeah, get it ready. David, I'm, I'm standing by. George, continue if you will win. Do we have this recording that we can play? I don't fucking know. So on Friday morning, David got a traffic ticket at 8.30 a.m. <laughs> George Norrie la laughs. 
three inches by 11 inches, right? Laughs. Win. Yeah. <laughs> David, that was pretty much what broke the shell and made me say, okay, I'd better start taking this seriously. <laughs> George, okay, well, we'd better listen to the tape. So let's play it. Here we go. David, all right, hang on a sec. Here we go. George, okay. <laughs> David, parentheses, from a tape in a whisper with audible cuts after each sentence. <laughs> Which I love that he put that. <laughs> There's cuts after each sentence. Of course he did. Sentence. Of course he did. <laughs> Which, it implies he edited this. Oh my god, it does. I didn't even think about that. And this is what the audio says. My gift to the world will be a 3 inch by 11 sheet of paper. Expected on Friday. This runs counter to earlier systems of thought. We can work on visual sites. 90 minutes till 10. Was that audible? George. Well, it was in the beginning, which is fine. Now, is that your voice? Yeah, in the beginning, that's David. I couldn't get enough energy going through me to get a speaking voice. I could only get a whisper. So this came through and I thought, okay, my gift to the world will be a three inch by 11 sheet of paper. Expect it on Friday, 90 minutes until 10. It just was more garbage. Like a lot of the other stuff coming through. A lot of it didn't make any sense at all. So what are you going to do with it? Just say, well, forget it. Yeah. if everything else is garbage you're going to chalk it up to survivorship bias like that's literally it and sorry that was what i added and oh my god just this last part here then when i rear end someone on the highway and the officer writes me a ticket <laughs> and it's 8 30 and it's friday all of a sudden it all just came crashing in brackets pun intended close bracket oh my god okay i'm not even getting into the pun intended but his gift to the world is a fucking speeding ticket? Yes. Interesting that that's his gift to the world. A fine that he has to pay. And then George, having made the most astute observation of his entire interview career, says, yeah, but that doesn't mean you're Edgar Casey." <laughs> <laughs> that has to be the smartest thing he said. Yeah, it is true. The... It's the most just astute peaks. observation he, uh, he ever made. <laughs> And David Wilcock has made the opposite, transcribed this onto his website, hopefully with an embellishment, or that was just it. Uh, yeah, David did respond to that and say, oh gosh, no, George. So somewhere along the line, when you began to dot the I's and cross the T's and you said, hey, there's a connection here. What was it? When? Well, after a year of David doing these kinds of sentence fragments, and then he started dictating it into a tape recorder and dictating page after page of his incredible wisdom. I knew from talking to David that he could could not tap into that directly. David, again, question directed at Wynn. David, let's just clarify that by saying that the oblique and mysterious quality of the words in the beginning was a function of my lack of tuning. As I worked on this more, it got to the point that it became a lot more eloquent and free-flowing and actually made sense. Bracket, laughs, close bracket. Yes, which we definitely are doing, David. Good on you. <laughs> Win. So after a year, David's dream voice, he called it he called it his dream voice, asked him to move to Virginia Beach. George, the voice we just heard, that that's your dream voice? David, right. Win. Right, he called it a dream voice. And so that's when David moved to Virginia Beach. And of course, people were looking at him and identifying him as looking like Casey. Then I found out that Casey had made a prophecy which would be interpreted to mean that he was going to return in 1998 and be in Virginia Beach here is the prophecy that Casey made, and I will read it directly verbatim. As I'm sure we're going to get from his Also, own. I just really want to point out at this point, 
He does not say he paid that part, that ticket. I am guessing that he just skipped town to a, another state over so that he doesn't have to pay the ticket. Love it. He went to Virginia Beach so he didn't have to pay the ticket. You know what? When you're reading this, it just sounds so much better than I assume this interview ever sounded. <laughs> oh, it's all the ads. David Wilcock really streamlined this down to what it yeah, is. he really did. So that we could get right down to the core of it with the cuts and everything for the editing on his audio. <laughs> yeah. So Wynne goes into the prophecy that Edgar Casey gave. Keeping in mind, there are definitely brackets in here. Definitely brackets. I assumed as much at this point. When he didn't refer to Casey, he referred to bracket Casey's past life as bracket Rata. Is it not fitting then that these bracket, a reference to Rata and his associates, close bracket, must return? as his priest may develop himself to be in that position, to be in that capacity of a liberator of the world in a capacity to individuals in those periods to come, for he must enter again in that period or in 1998. I like those options, in that period or 1998, whichever yeah. one. <laughs> Whatever one fits the prophecy the most. And then there was a book I found called Many Happy Returns by William Church, where Church said, brackets Casey, close brackets, had a dream where he saw himself in back in West Virginia, surrounded by many of those who had been with him at an earlier time. Now David's relationship with his dream voice had gotten much, much more sophisticated after that initial fragment that you just heard. George, all right, well, hold that thought, Wynn. <laughs> we'll be right back with you and David as we are <laughs> leading up to now to why Wynn made a decision that he believes that David Wilcock is indeed Edgar Casey reincarnate. And we're going to find out from David what made him believe that he was. I mean, just you just don't wake up in the morning and say, I think I was Edgar Casey. I'm George Norrie, and we'll be back on Coast to Coast AM. I just, I had to finish it that way. You do a good George Norrie. Thank you. Because you do need that. That is George Norrie's tried and true, is that going into break. He is tried and true. That's that and making old people feel good. Okay, here's where I'm at in this. Okay, first of all, I think he took such a bizarre career path. To wake up however many years old and be like, I'm going to milk being Edgar Casey for all I fucking can right now. And I'm going to go somewhere with this and look where he is now. Well, you'll see in the next episode. But I'm fairly confident based on this interview that I could hire a ghostwriter and I could start writing down my dreams and I could be like in... 2023 or sometime I'll be in Virginia Beach. You think I can take it from him that I'm the new reincarnation of Edgar Casey, not him? I mean, you got to find the 1998 attachment, maybe. I actually think it would be pretty easy. I think I could take it from him very easily. I think I could give him a run for his money. And I could yeah. be like, David fucking Wilcox, not the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. I think I might be. Look at these dreams. Oh, I yeah. And, and you can literally just make a tape recording um, the day after everything had just happened and say, I'm going to say these in weird, fancy ways without any way of proving the day that I said these to say that, oh, yeah, I prophesized this. Yeah. Pretty easy. Um, art in the cuts in my audio <laughs> that I'm going to write out in the transcript cut. I'm the Yeah. Why did he write that? <laughs> but it's seeming to me fairly simple. Like I could pretty easily what's the word that i'm looking for challenge him on this that i'm the reincarnation of edgar casey 
Well, and honestly, I, I bet you there's a lot more photos of Edgar Casey where you look a lot more like him than David Wilcock does. That is so true. And I could go out and get a speeding ticket tomorrow if I wanted to. Well, it sounds like you ran to the back of a car. <laughs> it, does. it does not sound like you got a speeding ticket. And then I again, jump state. <laughs> Like, I could, I wouldn't want to ram the back of a car, but I could get a speeding ticket. Oh okay. my god. <laughs> so, at, at that point, I, I just love that interview. And the fact that, yes, he is self-aggrandizing, so much to the point that he has to, he thinks down on who's reading it, and he has to fill in an interview with things that he's like, my, my readers aren't going to get this. I think it did a lot of justice, actually, because David, well, I don't even know that I would describe him as having charisma. It's different having you read it to listen to him in an interview because he has such a huge ego and he loves to talk about himself that I think a lot of people are just taken in with how convinced he is by himself. That they're like, he must be. Hi. Taylor here at Journey to the Fringe. Now, I know we promised that this would be a two-part episode. However, we were having too much fun, and it turns out this is actually going to be a four-part episode. Stay tuned for the second half of my episode, where we are going to discuss David Wilcox's autobiography and a few other things. And then after that, stay tuned for two episodes of Chelsea discussing this guy. I do apologize for a little lie up front, but we are fully committed to a four-part episode. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh